you want to be wise, then get close to him. Simple as that. You don't have to be a highly educated person or anything like that. Just get close to Jesus. Some of the wisest people I know never went to college, left school at 15, but they've walked closely with Jesus. And the wisdom that comes out of them from that relationship is profound. We were at a funeral last week, actually, down in uh, a parish in near Portsmouth where Simon did his second curacy in the days when they did that. And uh, he was a man who had lived by faith all his life, had been an evangelist in the Wirral. And um, it was wonderful to be at that funeral and to witness uh, his passing and to celebrate his life. And some of the readings were just great. And he helped us hugely when... Uh, we, uh, we had a son who died down there and uh, he and his wife were such an encouragement to us because we'd only been married a few years in, uh, and we'd only been in ministry together for four or five years so it was amazing to have this man and his wife walk with us so humbly and to teach us so much wisdom during that very difficult time in our lives so I don't think he went to college. <laughs> I don't think he, he, he was like that at all. He was just a wonderful, wonderful man. And I can remember when we met him and I thought, gosh, I want to be like you. <laughs> and he was trying to be like Jesus. And I don't know if you know people like that, that you look at and you think, oh, I want to be like them. And you realize that what it is is that they're close to Jesus. That's what it is. So it's not really that you want to be like them. You want to be like Jesus that you see in them. So, Jesus uh, came to show us what God is like, and we can look to him for everything. And tonight we're thinking about wisdom, and um, James, Jesus' half-brother, speaks to us very simply and clearly about what wisdom is like. A wise person has made peace with God themselves and others, as well as the created world around them. And that's what Jesus did, didn't he? He was so at peace when he was there in the boat and the storm was going to kill them all. He was totally at peace with creation. He just told it all to calm down, and it did. He was at peace with himself when he was tempted in the wilderness to try and prove himself, you know. Throw yourself down from the temple so the angels will catch you and everyone will then know who you are. If you are the Son of God, do that. And he was at peace with himself. No, I don't need to prove myself in any way. He was at peace with others, even those who were at odds with him. He offered them peace. He brokered peace to them on the cross even as he was dying. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So even with his enemies, he was brokering peace A wise person is like that, makes peace, is a peacemaker. A wise person has become an ambassador of the Prince of Peace. You and I are ambassadors of Jesus Christ, aren't we? Yeah? We are. We're we're to broker his currency in this world. And his currency is the currency of peace and reconciliation. Jesus wasn't passive, was he? 
He wasn't a monk sitting on top of a hill somewhere that people went to find, was he? No. He was active. He was there doing things. Wisdom is active. It's not passive. Wisdom shows itself in a good life, James says in verse 13, in bad circumstances, in deeds done in humility among the proud. We're not told to do good when everything's going fine with us. We're just told to do good full stop. And many of us will have really difficult circumstances. And in the midst of those, we're called to do good. And I found a great quote by Mother Teresa, which I put up on my Facebook page about, um, you know, I can't even remember it, but if you are going to be kind or generous... You, you may annoy people. <laughs> Be kind and generous anyway. <laughs> you know, it's not about, it was never about you and them. It was always about you and God. The way we live and doing good deeds in this life is all about our relationship with God, not necessarily our circumstances or those around us. And in verse 14, James says, uh, resist bitter envy and selfish ambition. Because that's not the wisdom that comes from heaven. And those who are wise are those who resist envy, who resist comparing themselves with others, who resist selfish ambition, trying to promote themselves above others. And they fight not to give in to that way of life. The wise discern what's demonic and what's from heaven, seeking to establish outposts of heaven on earth. I love that phrase. That's what we're doing. Jimmy had that picture of the bridge. What we're trying to do is bring heaven around us, through us, to circumstances that may not line up with heaven. And as we pray and seek to do good, we are bringing, ushering heaven in. We're setting up little outposts of heaven around us. We actively seek to bring heaven everywhere we go to bring order where there's disorder, to bring good practice over evil practice. And that's difficult, isn't it, even in workplaces. And I was listening on the radio to um, some of the nurses that were working in that hospital that was recently um, been in the news where so many people had died um, totally due to the incompetence of uh, staff and managers at the hospital. And um, one of the things that one of the nurses said was it was so hard to speak out because they would be uh, bullied and um, cornered by those that were making the decisions and had the power. It's hard to do good, isn't it? Especially in the workplace when you do come up against evil practice. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to be those that establish good over evil. And I know you know this phrase, but evil prevails where good people do nothing. And we need to be those that are determined to be active and to establish good over evil, come what may. Remember, some years ago, there was a girl in our church who was very disruptive in church services, especially when it came to communion. She would curl up in a fetal position and crawl under the 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 pews and cry and suck her thumb and things like that. It was really bizarre behavior. 
And this would go on and on, no matter what anybody did, how they prayed with her, listened to her, talked with her. And eventually, I encouraged her to come for some prayer ministry like we have here at the prayer surgery and to spend a long time just talking through stuff and discovering what is going on with this girl. And she was in her late 20s at this point. And what we discovered was that as we talked and prayed and listened, she had been conceived by her mother, who was a witch, to sacrifice her in a black mass, or black, uh, what do you call it, a, a satanic ritual. And her father had quickly registered her birth before her mother had been able to kill the baby. And this is what happens in witchcraft circles, is they don't register the births, they have them at home, and then they can use the baby as a, as a sacrifice. And this girl had been one such child, but although she, her life had been saved by her father, she grew up in this coven, uh, witnessing some horrific things. And therefore, every time we came to communion, she would freak out. <laughs> and so it made quite a lot of sense as to why she was behaving in such a strange way. And then we also found out that she had been uh, abused uh, severely in this coven by a relative. And um, he was still alive. And I was so focused on praying for healing for her that it never occurred to me, and I know this may sound ridiculous to you, but it never occurred to me as I was in this situation discovering all this horror that we should tell the police <laughs> or we should go to court. or you know, It just didn't occur to me. I was just focused on the inner healing for this girl. And one of the women that was praying with me for her was a trained counsellor, and she said to me, you know, at some point we're going to need to say to her, would you be willing to press charges? And it suddenly dawned on me, you know, that there was this whole other realm of doing good that I just hadn't even thought about. And overcoming evil with good. And it took a while before this girl felt able to press charges. But when she did, and the reason she did it was because the counselor said to her, you do realize that if he has done this to one person, he will probably have done it to others. And if you speak out, then others may speak out. And right enough, five others spoke out. And the man was put in prison for 15 years. No, four others. So they each got three years. He got three years for each person he had abused. And I remember saying to her one day, you know, this isn't about uh, getting complete justice because you won't. You know, three years imprisonment for what he had done to each person is nothing. It's not about that, but it's about you doing good and standing up and speaking out and having a voice and claiming back your dignity and helping others do the same and of bringing good where there has been evil. And uh, eventually, she was able to go through that whole process, go to court. Uh, it was a terribly traumatic thing for her. But 
she grew in strength. And then <laughs> she asked whether she could be rebaptized because she'd been baptized by her dad in order to register her birth. But in the Anglican Church, we don't rebaptize people. We believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And so we went to our bishop and we said, could we rebaptize this girl because of these reasons? Because she was brought up in such a terrible environment. And he had a good think about it. And he said, well, we can, we can reaffirm her baptismal vows by full immersion. <laughs> so we did this amazing service in church where we rebaptized, well, we baptized her, we immersed her, what, what was it? We reaffirmed her baptismal vows by full immersion. <laughs> And when she came up out of that water, it was a glorious, glorious moment for everyone that knew her and knew her story. And for the first time, she was able to take communion and not freak out as a result of that. Wisdom is active. It's not passive. It doesn't just sit back and let evil prevail. It fights to claim back territory in people's lives that's been destroyed wisdom's humble it's not interested in self-preservation or promotion but in God's will it's pure blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God the pure are those who are just simple, all they want is God don't know if you saw the film Forrest Gump but I loved him because he was just really simple. There's a book called The Clowns of God uh, written by a, a guy who used to be a Catholic priest and he left the priesthood and became a writer. And he wrote a book about the Pope having a vision of Jesus' return and he starts to tell the Vatican and they try to murder him because they think he's gone mad. And he escapes with his life and for the first time in his life, he's out in normal society rather than in a cloistered environment. And he happens to meet a group of Down syndrome children with their carers. And they are the clowns of God in the book. They are the ones who make God laugh because they're pure. There's a purity about them that is just lovely. The pure in heart only want what God wants. Wisdom's peace-loving, as I've already said, will do anything to achieve peace. And it was really scary with that girl, you know. We, we, I was scared. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to help her because it was so awful what had happened to her. But I was so committed to wanting to bring peace into her life that I was willing to stay with her and work with her and the counselor until peace was ushered in to her life. Considerate. Wisdom thinks things through. It's sensitive to the needs of others. It's submissive out of reverence for Jesus, who died for everybody. And therefore, we give honor to one another because of Jesus. Wisdom is full of mercy. And the word mercy means to step into somebody else's shoes and to think with their thoughts and feel with their feelings. That's what it means to be merciful. 
Jesus stepped into our shoes and felt what it was like to be human. And that's why we have, we're told in Hebrews, we have a high priest who's not far away from us, but who's close to us because he knows. He stepped into our shoes. He's had mercy on us. It's full of good fruit. If you look back in your past, can you see good fruit littering your footsteps? Or is it full of arguments and unforgiveness and quarrels? Or is it full of peace and friendship and kindness and mercy? It's impartial. It favors no one above anyone else. It's sincere, says what's true, and means what we say. Say what we mean, we mean what we say. I don't know if you've heard of Jennifer Reese Larkin, but she's become a friend of mine, and she's a a writer and a speaker, has been for many years. She's in her late 70s now. Uh, She had an incurable disease and was in a wheelchair for a long time. For about eight years, she had a lift installed in her house. She had, a, had to go through all the thing to get her disability and uh, all that and her badge. And, you know, it was a lot of work to get all this stuff in her house and to get all that uh, organized. Her husband cared for her as she was disabled. Um, and then one day, somebody prayed for her and she was healed. Uh, in in some toilets. (laughs) She was at a conference, she was speaking, she went to the loo. This lady came in, prayed for her, and she was instantly healed and got out of her wheelchair and came out of the bathroom (laughs) with her whole muscle muscle tone all healed. It was just an amazing miracle of God. And then shortly after that, her husband left her for another woman. And you sort of think, what? (laughs) How does that work? But anyway, I was very struck by Jennifer's attitude. She spent months every day holding two stones in her hands. One was her husband, and one represented her husband's lover. And for months, she held those stones in either hand and prayed that God would give her mercy towards them, that she would be able to forgive them, and that she would actually be able to bless them. And she said eventually she did get to that place. And she's had them both over for dinner. <laughs> and they are friends. How amazing to be able to do that. But it is a work of God, isn't it? That kind of wisdom. It's got to come from God. It can't be something you muster up yourself. There's no way she could have forgiven of her own strength because, you know, it was just such an appalling breach of trust. He was a Christian man, and yet he did this, uh, fell in love with somebody else and decided to leave her. So tonight, my question to you is, are you wise? And if you don't think you are, don't worry. (laughs) We can ask the Lord to give us the wisdom that we need, the wisdom that is peace-loving, that's active, 
overcoming evil with good, that's humble, pure, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, and impartial and sincere. It's really forming the nature of Jesus in us, isn't it? We're followers of Jesus. We've made him Lord of our lives. But it's the Holy Spirit's work to form his character in us. And therefore, our prayer needs to be, Holy Spirit, come and form this in me. Make me passionate about peacemaking so that I won't rest easy until I've made peace with anyone that I hold something against. That I'd expend myself to make peace, to be a peacemaker. That I refuse to hold bitterness in my heart. That I'll do everything. I'll hold stones representing people that have hurt me until I can forgive them with my whole heart. And not only forgive them, but bless them. And when you see evil around you and you think, oh, it's too much, I can't do it, it's too scary, ask the Lord for strength that he would enable us to overcome evil with good. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have called us to be yours, to start forming the family likeness in us, the image, your image in us. Thank you that you promised not to leave us alone, but to send your spirit to us. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would form wisdom in us. Thank you that you don't expect us to be wise before we come to you. Thank you that you are happy to take us as we are and lead us on and teach us your ways. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come. Where things are too difficult, where evil has seemed too great, where the wrongs done have been too painful, Lord, we pray you would come and give us that wisdom that is merciful and peace-loving. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.